Welcome to Transition, Gadgets 360's gaming and pop culture podcast. A whole bunch of exciting updates around gaming are in this episode, such as a bunch of updates from Nintendo. Uh, the company is bringing back an old console. We have some DLC for Zelda, and we also have an update to their new IP, which launched recently. That's called Arms. And apart from this, we are going to be talking about the Steam sale, Modern Warfare Remastered. a rumor around Sony PlayStation 5 and something about GTA 5 and modding which maybe three people care about dude that's like that's harsh <laughs> that is harsh <laughs> that is very harsh for some of us who care about PC gaming uh, i'm rishi the games editor sup what is that actually <laughs> 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 yeah. and i'm still laughing at the three people <laughs> yeah hey man all right so you might want to introduce yourself Oh, I should no. It's cool. I'm good. I'm okay. Mike. I'm good. <laughs> AKA friend of the podcast. Yeah. So that's Mikhail Madnani, and I'm your host Pranay Parab. So first of all, I think we should start by talking about all the updates around Nintendo. Uh, the most important of these announcements was, of course, the SNES Classic Mini, which is the Super Nintendo Entertainment System Classic Mini, small, large. extra large no, so, nano uh, plus <laughs> nano xl double xl yeah oppo find 5 over yeah. yeah so so nintendo last year they started this new uh, retro console lineup with the nintendo classic mini series uh, the first of this was obviously the nes classic mini which was a uh, a handheld i'd say a uh, rom box which had which replicated the nintendo nes with the controllers which looked and felt exactly the same as the original but it had an hdmi output to basically use on modern tvs uh that was, that had 30 games and it cost 59.99 dollars uh, yesterday they just announced the snes classic mini which is the super nintendo entertainment system and it has 21 games and it costs more which is obvious because uh, like it's a generation ahead and those games even digitally now on nintendo's own virtual console service are much more expensive than the nes games and uh, it has 21 games one of which hasn't ever been released before i think rishi wants to talk yeah, about that star fox 2 so star fox 2 was in development towards the very end of the snes's life cycle and uh, well never saw the light of day instead uh, nintendo opted to uh, bring uh, what it calls star, Fo- star fox 64 or star fox lilat wars as it was known in sorry lilat wars as it was known in the uk and europe for the n64 instead so yeah we're finally going to see in 20 we live in 20, in an age where 2017 sees a 16 bit uh release of a of a console that's almost 20 years old which is pretty cool um, more than 20 years old actually i think close to 30 but any anyway, math math aside fuzzy math aside um it's interesting to see nintendo continuing the approach uh, with bringing back its retro consoles more so when there was speculation and rumor that we'd probably even see a volume 2 of the NES Classic which probably had more of the NES Classic games and the uh, and after that obviously there was there were leaks and rumors of a SNES mini it showed up on a Microsoft uh, survey for the Xbox prior to E3 and it uh, Eurogamer did t- talk about it at length uh, in one of their stories prior to E3 as well so yeah the company making good on all the leaks and all the rumors and um I don't know at eighty dollars. What do you think? I, I like first when I saw the number of games, I didn't actually have the list of when it was announced, and I saw the price. I'm like, okay, fair enough. They want to charge more. Let me see the games, and then I got to see the games, and it has uh, 
literally everything I wanted in it except for two games. So they opted to go with Final Fantasy 3, which is actually Final Fantasy 6, which is good for most people. Yeah. But I still prefer Final Fantasy 4, which was released as Final Fantasy 2 in USA. Okay. And uh, Square Enix has a lot of stuff going uh, internally with the Chrono Trigger game. Yeah. Uh, it's it's why it hasn't been released on other platforms and it pro- I don't know, I don't think it ever will because uh, the latest release it's seen is on Android after it got ported to iOS and the Android version has online DRM so it's not worth playing. So aside from those two, I mean there's some really great games, they've gone with Kirby Superstar, they've gone with Donkey Kong Country, Secret of Mana which is a nice co-op game, Super Mario Kart, Super Mario RPG which is a big surprise, Super Mario World, Super Metroid, like these are games which anyone thinks of when... You mentioned the SNES. So it's really good to see them actually put out games which people wanted with the NES Classic. I don't think anyone was happy with the 30 games. Everyone had, oh yeah, like it's good for novelty value. You boot up Mario and you boot up Balloon Fight for 10 minutes. But these are like actual games you'll invest time into according to me. Yeah, but then at the same time, it's not like these games haven't been made available elsewhere. Yeah, but like this is not the target audience. This is something you pre-order and give people. So I'm cool with that. I've already ordered it. Yeah, but then what's the point of actually then? But then you also mentioned people will play them, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. So, the people who get them as gifts. I don't know. I have a feeling that it's going to end up being just another thing that's going to sit on people's shelves. I mean, those who really want to play these games, there are already methods that are out there. No one, Some, I don't think anyone's buying this to like actually play it. Like most people already have them on 3DS and Wii U. You're just doing it for the novelty value. And as proved by the NES Classic, this thing is probably going to sell faster than the Switch. So. But what's amusing is you use is you use the word most and Wii U in the same sentence. Time paradox. Might, I mean, I think we're going to see a rift in the time-space continuum because I don't think that's ever happened anywhere. Yeah, so the stock situation for the previous one, the NES Classic, was yeah. pretty bad. It was really it? bad and they've uh, multiple times they've mentioned that they're rectifying that with this, but they also said that uh, they're only going to continue production this year and it's going to end in, uh, like, when 2017 ends, that's it. They're not going to produce more of them. And they'll probably do the N64 Mini or something next year. Yeah. But uh, some retailers in the UK have like on record said, I think, uh, that uh, they've gotten a lot more allocations than they had for the NES Classic. Yeah, which is really good because in the past we've seen reports of retailers getting not more than two units throughout the NES Classic's lifespan. So I think it's, it's good to see Nintendo's picked up the slack on that i know and also it should help with the price gouging situation because with the nest classic uh i i've seen it go as high as uh 120 130 us dollars we've seen it in stores for more than that in like exactly Singapore. exactly so point is it's it's quite i mean it reached a point where uh demand outweighed supply and we saw some really mad price gouging going on almost three to four times more than what it should be costing so hopefully nintendo has learned though i wouldn't put it past them to still have supply issues because the pre-orders in the UK have already sold out. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this actually works out. Also, in addition to the the whole stock situation which they commented on, uh, the wires for the controllers are also almost uh, five. They're five feet versus three feet for the NES Classic. That was another complaint which was there for that, even though there were third-party solutions. But I don't think anyone buying this really wants the third-party stuff. You're buying it just because Nintendo. Exactly. So it's good that they improved that also, but it still doesn't come with an adapter. So (laughs) you have a USB cable and an HDMI cable, but yeah, you need an adapter to play it. Yeah, and even more amusing is that if you think about it, if this is a trajectory in which Nintendo is going, we're probably going to see an N64 Classic next year. But the one I'm really interested in is what could happen the year after that, which is the GameCube, which is to me the greatest console ever. 
and especially considering that's where metroid prime came in that's where paper mario and thousand year door came in that's where we got wind waker so i think that'd be really 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 cool to see uh them actually do a, a a gamecube mini these will all have less games though going forward because even the n64 will probably have maximum 20 maybe 15 games if they want to keep the price under like even 80 is pushing it i don't think they'll go more than 100 for this because i mean if you think about it the gamecube dropped uh, back in i think when it was uh, out around 0405 the lowest it ever went to was 100 dollars so yeah anything under 100 for that console well worth it mm Okay, so I think we should move on to other things. Nintendo. Yeah, so uh, their new IP fighting brawler game, Arms, uh, got updated to version one point one point zero yesterday, and uh, they had some balancing changes and they had some bug fixes and all. But uh, they added spectator mode finally and arena mode, which lets you actually watch other people play instead of just like staying uh, like just watching a static lobby with icons moving around. So that was a good change. Uh, I they still haven't fixed the unlock system in game, which is really annoying. In fact, it's my only complaint with it right now. You you have to grind way too much to be able to unlock new arms for the characters. So not happy with that. But uh, yeah, and they also have a new character coming. I think in July, Max Brass. I think is the name. So uh, let's see what happens with this and if it actually becomes something like Splatoon with their updates. So yeah. So far, has it? How has your experience been? Like uh, the core the, game is amazing. What about uh, the single player mode? Like, is there enough content in that? It's yeah. I'm I'm happy with that. I just don't like the unlocking huh, mechanism okay, because you have to earn currency, which is really slow in game. Obviously, there are no microtransactions. Uh, and when you earn thirty or more, you can. try and you unlock time to spend in an unlock mini game which gives you a chance to get arms what yeah and this, this is sounds like some nuclear grade uh money grabbing it's something i'd, I'd expect from a free to play mobile game yeah, except so, they'd be so charging like, suppose you suppose you earn 30 currency uh you get i think 1 uh, minute or you get 30 seconds i can't remember now off time where you have uh, targets showing up and you have to like hit them with your arms and you have to hit more targets so that more arm like actual arms which you can unlock show up and the best part is there's still a chance of getting duplicates here and if you get a duplicate then you get a slight minor stat boost to the other arm so i'm really not happy with this system but other than that uh, Uh, online has become much better now after this patch because earlier I think in about two hours of play I had a few disconnects now there's nothing so very happy with the online single player not happy with the unlocking at all so yeah but that's just a little weird if you think about it it there's is it is like uh, I'm I'm really not uh, happy with how they've implemented this like uh, <laughs> it just like having the and even allowing duplicates is like just a slap in the face according to me. Yeah, so, but then I mean, if you think about it, you already have a lot of games going in that direction. We've seen this implemented in Overwatch. We've seen this coming into Star Wars. Yeah, Battlefront. see, all these games have that, but you can outright buy loot boxes and just try. Over here, you you have to. It takes so long to get in-game currency, and then after that, you have to use that currency for a chance to get. So, like, thirty currency will get you maximum. two sets of arms and there's a chance of duplicates over there as well and then you have to unlock for different characters and also interesting so, yeah, so not not too happy with this so basically if you compare it to let's say another nintendo game that has something similar but on a different platform like fire emblem heroes it's like they've learned the wrong lessons from it i think they just did this because they they didn't want to they said everything they said all their content updates and patches and everything will be free going forward for this game and they can't charge so they basically did this so that people don't Uh, unlock everything quickly and they'll be like oh what are we supposed to do now i think it was just for that until they can get more content into it but uh, other than that uh, the zelda dlc is coming out this week the first set 
which has uh, a lot of stuff. It has, uh, what's it called? The Phantom uh, Armor. No, 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 uh, not the armor. The hard mode. Yeah, the hard mode. Master mode, it's yeah. called. Yeah. So, which is, uh, like, the game is already pretty hard in the beginning. And now, everyone starts out, all the enemies will be one tier above. So, in the Bre- Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, you have, like, red, blue, black, and silver. These are the enemy tiers. So, everyone starts out blue instead of starting out red now across all the enemies. And uh, they've introduced a new golden tier, which is going to be super hard. So, and they've also added uh, flying enemies. So, you have uh, balloons floating in the sky with, like, planks which have enemies and they'll be, like, anywhere. So, it's going to be interesting. I'm definitely going to restart just to see how difficult the opening is. So, aside from this master mode, there's also a thing called Trial of the Sword. I think that's what it's called. And it's a series of 43 different challenge rooms which lets you unlock the full power of the Master Sword. Now, whatever gameplay they've shown looks really nice. Looking forward to that. But what I'm not happy with is uh, there's a mode called Hero's Path mode over here, which will show you your last 200 hours played in the game on the map, like as a small marker, showing you wherever you've explored and what you've missed out. So I think this should have been like a free quality of life uh, update for everyone who has the game. And not locked behind DLC. The DLC is only $10, but yeah, it's a slippery slope. But the point is, I mean, if you think about it, for uh, they, they, they want people to buy the expansion pass, which yeah, also has... Of course has, they do. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it has a story more a story expansion that's coming in the holiday season of this yeah, year. Yeah, and they are not selling the DLC separately, like each pack separately. The expansion pass has both DLC packs. It also has like uh, various different pieces of armor, which will... Uh, like some of them let you discover some in-game items uh, faster... And some of them just look good. Then there's the Majora's Mask mask and all with, and all of these are hidden in chests throughout. So it gives people who probably like just finished the game like probably a month or two ago like a reason to get back to it. So definitely going to get it. Uh, and yeah, it's the, the, the expansion pass is $20. The base game was $60. So yeah. uh, I think it's like at least the base game is like when people talk about The Witcher 3 and the amount of content, like I put this along there yeah i would agree i mean i would agree there's a lot to play around with and it's nice to see them supporting it but uh i think nintendo aside we've seen some other things happen this week right yeah so um what do you want to talk about like sega yeah Sega. so uh while nintendo has decided to like release the snes classic mini and announce it for september we didn't mention that it's coming out on 29 september in the u.s and uh, within the week in Europe and Japan, yep, yep. Uh, and, Singapore, uh, Hong Kong and other regions have no release date yet. And Including again, India. to clarify for anyone listening, if you're sitting in India hoping to see the SNES Classic on the store shelves, it's not going to happen. The closest you're going to be able to get is uh, maybe two or three times the price on eBay from someone who's imported it themselves and they're yeah. selling it. Uh, because as usual, Nintendo doesn't have a presence here. Unless, of course, I mean, the only possible outcome we could see is... Uh, uh, Sundar Electronics, who brings in the Pokemon games, decides to get his hands dirty and bring this in, but then it seems unlikely. And even if it does come in, expect to pay a premium over the US price. I mean, the cheapest for the NES Classic Mini when it when it had launched abroad, uh, I think was between 9 and 10k over here, which yeah. is double, little more than double the price. So yep. yeah, so Sega, on the other hand, started hyping up this thing called Sega Forever a few weeks ago, and they started sending some journalists uh, audio cassettes, which had... Uh, certain choice music from Sega's history. Uh, I, I had a feeling this was going to be something with their mobile gaming thing. And they also said they were going to 
uh, it's going to change how people play games and basically yeah so they basically hyped it up to hell and back and yeah. what we got was something called sega forever which essentially is a collection of uh, re-releases of their titles on the Sega Master System, the Sega Genesis, or Sega Mega Drive, depending which part of the world you lived in. And uh, soon it'll also encompass the Sega Saturn and Sega Dreamcast uh, catalog as well. But what's interesting is if you go on the App Store, be it the Play Store or Apple's own App Store, and you type in Sega Forever, you won't find anything from Sega. At right now, uh, you'll have to actually type in the exact game name, so Sonic the Hedgehog or Fantasy Star 2 or Comic Zone to actually get games under the Sega Forever catalog. Now, a lot of this has to do with the fact that at this point in time, App Store policies dictate that you can't have a store within a store system. You can't like try and replicate App Store functionality exactly. is what they say. So uh, if Sega was smart about this, they clearly weren't because uh, we're going to be bashing this to hell because it's really bad. Uh, they could have had Sega forever in the names of these games, but they've yeah, not they done didn't. that. And what they've actually done is uh, released some poorly emulated ports, which have been which are put in Unity wrappers. So games that were probably under an MB back in the day are now at least 120 MB yeah. because of the Unity wrapper. And what's more is the the games which were actually best played on iOS, like Sonic the Hedgehog one, through the port by Christian Whitehead and friends. Uh, it's actually become worse now because people who paid for it, like myself, cannot get rid of the ads without paying again. So, yeah, it's I'm, like they want me to pay two pounds again just to get rid of ads. I just deleted that nonsense. That, that too for a game you've already paid for. And yeah, multiple times. And, and in fact, the, the treatment of each game is also wildly inconsistent. So for some of them, uh, the opening menu has the Mega Drive. Uh, like in the case of Fantasy Star 2 and Comic Zone. But Sega, but then Sonic obviously gets special treatment and you see the box art of Sonic uh, and you can even, and you, there's so, even so cool the, animation of Sonic of the game going into the cartridge. That's the thing. Like so the uh, Sonic, the Sonic the Hedgehog 1, 2 and Sonic CD, uh, the ports on iOS and I think one of them's on Android, I can't remember. Yeah. These are the best versions of the games because they were ported and they were actually... Uh, recreated properly with widescreen and everything yeah the others are just roms and unity wrappers so now if they if sega can't manage to emulate their on older systems like games like fantasy star 2 there's no chance i'm going to even bother wasting bandwidth downloading when they release some dreamcast game because you can't emulate these older games probably why should you be able to do the newer ones i think what uh, sega is trying to do here is, is gauge the interest in its heritage and see if it can monetize it and depending on the response to these games, it'll take a call to build up Sega forever, I guess. They said they're going to do new games every two or every few weeks. Yeah, so, but... And they said this is going to be like, they're going to have a consistent flow of titles. And uh, they've taken into the feedback. They've taken in feedback, which they've gotten for the launch. And uh, yeah. So. Yeah, so here's some feedback, Sega. Don't. Just don't. That, that is all we could say at this time. All because right. we, we still don't know how it'll apply to other platforms as well. We don't know how it'll apply to Steam. We don't know how it's apply to consoles. It's not coming there. This is just on mobile. No, they've said it's going to come to Steam and other platforms too. But they already have the Sega Mega exactly. Drive collections on Steam, which uh, which they even added Steam Workshop support to. Exactly. And also, uh, I, I don't see it's the just, point. It's just a confusing mess at this stage. Basically, Sega does what Nintendo don't in a, the worst way possible. Yeah. You really had to have that pun, right? Better, better than ha saying arms has no legs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then moving on to other things. Uh, something called Modern Warfare Remastered is happening, isn't it? Yes. I mean, it's, it, it already happened in November when Call of Duty Infinite Warfare Legacy Edition released, <laughs> where uh, you had to pay, I think it was $80 instead of the 60 or in India's case, instead of 4599 it was 6299 Yep, yep. And uh, you got 
a download code for Modern Warfare Remastered, which required you to keep the Infinite Warfare disc inside your PlayStation 4 or Xbox One. Yeah. And on Steam, you needed to pay a lot unless you managed getting it during a price error. Yep. So Modern Warfare Remastered was like a, a very good remaster for the campaign, at least according to everyone who played it, for Call of Duty Modern Warfare, as the name suggested. It was only available through the Infinite Warfare Legacy Edition. Yeah. And now that's changed. It's uh, $40 as a standalone game. Apparently, according, uh, it, I mean, Activision has said it's out on June 27. There is no India release date yet. And I think that's a very good reason because uh, you see, we, we still have a lot of the Infinite Warfare Deluxe Edition floating around in stores. And the Infinite Warfare Legacy Edition can be bought for under, under 2,000 rupees right now if you know where to look. And uh, $40 usually translate, I mean, the Crash, Band, Crash Bandicoot, the NCN trilogy is a $40 release and it's going to be $2699 in India. So this is the price which they'd probably go with for Modern Warfare Remastered. Now you're trying to sell people a standalone remaster of an old game for $2699 when you can buy the latest Call of Duty which has this for under 2000 i don't think that's going to work out well exactly so right now that that's the thing it's happening but and as and much like uh, a lot of things with call of duty these days uh, it's going to be exclusive to the playstation 4 for a month before coming to pc and xbox one so Xbox One will probably get a retail release for this. PC obviously is not going to. Uh, you can't tell actually. Activision have been known to surprise us where that's concerned. Okay, so, so we could actually see a PC physical release for this. I don't think it's going to happen. But yeah, but what's interesting is uh, this is a remaster of an old game which can be bought for much. Yes, yada, yada, yada. It does not include the map pack, which was free to owners of Xbox 3, the, the version on Xbox 360 back in the day. So you're paying $40 for Modern Warfare Remastered and $15 for a map pack. And the multiplayer has microtransactions with pay-to-win weapons. So, yeah. Good luck. So, this is Activision <laughs> Sega forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That's basically all we have to say about Modern Warfare. Alrighty then. Uh, the Steam sale is still going on. We are recording this on June 27th. And um, just so happens to be the 25th episode of this podcast. So, happy quarter century to us. Um, Mike, I believe... Let's celebrate by not spending money on Steam because some publishers are going to raise their price... Are going to drop their prices after the sale. What? <laughs> yes. Wait, what? Yes, so Paradox Interactive, which is one of the best uh, PC-centric publishers and now expanding to console. Uh, some of their titles like Tyranny, Stellaris, Crusader Kings 2... Uh, they had a price bump in uh, lower tier countries like India when it comes to pricing. So uh, as you may know, Steam has really great regional pricing for India where uh, $60 games usually translate to either 999 or 1179 unless uh, you're one of the bigger publishers who just decided to raise the pricing. Paradox doubled their prices of every title in India very recently. I mean, not just India, but some other regions as well, including Russia, which is probably really biting them. Yep. Uh, and during the sale, they discounted stuff to 50%, which made it back to the original price. So a lot of people were wondering what's going on. So uh, the CEO actually commented on uh, Paradox Plaza, saying that they are going to roll back the pricing to what it was before. And uh, he said that uh, they cannot do this during the sale because there's some, I think there's some rule they would be breaking. Yeah. So what they're going to do is after the sale ends, the summer sale, which ends in a few days, they're going to roll back the pricing. So essentially, if you buy some uh, one of their titles like Stellaris right now, at 50% off, you're essentially going to be paying the full price in a few days. And what they've said is they're going to try and fix this by refunding or partially refunding people who bought it. Or they're going to make a donation to some charity. Now, I don't think most <laughs> people over here care about that. But uh, I'd advise people to not buy Paradox Interactive until the pricing has come down. You'll know this in Steam discussions for the uh, games. So, yeah. yeah. 
In fact, I uh, a friend of mine gifted Stellaris and Tyranny. Those are one of two of the only games from Paradox I don't own. And uh, yeah, I got them refunded because I can just pick them up later at the same price. I mean, honestly, right now, if there's anything you had to buy on the Steam sale, it'll probably be Dead Cells. But sadly, everyone seems to be picking up uh, GTA V, which yeah. nicely segues into the next topic of discussion. Yep. So last episode, I believe that we discussed that uh, the Open 4 mod uh, thingy was banned by Rockstar and Take-Two. So apparently it's back. Why has this happened? So point is, uh, so after uh, Take-Two, which is the company that owns Rockstar, uh, decided to put out a statement and uh, give a cease and desist to the creators of Open 4, it realized that uh, there were that GTA 5 was subject to negative reviews galore. We're talking an over in the last two weeks, it's got an overwhelmingly negative review at the time mm. of, of recording this podcast. So on Steam, uh, most of, uh, of the of the game's customers and user base has downvoted the game into oblivion and has basically bombed it with negative reviews. And that's impacted the brand, right? At the end of the day, when you sold as many as GTA 5 has, you want to make sure that it's, it looks good too. So uh, Rockstar had to step in. Uh, Rockstar had to speak to its bosses at t- Take-Two. Rockstar also uh, worked with the creators of Open4 to bring the mod back. And now everything seems to be fine and dandy. But... Uh, what this also goes to show is that uh, gaming companies would do well not to underestimate the voice of a very vocal user base. And the PC user base tends to be the most vocal of the bunch. We've seen this in the past with Arkham Knight. We've seen this in the past with Assassin's Creed Unity. And we've se- we're seeing this yet again with uh, GTA V. Now, fine, it's, a, uh, it's also another question altogether that uh, the share of voice for PC gamers is rather disproportionate to the sales. And yes, that's been some point of concern for a lot of publishers. But it's still an important audience that you can't ignore. And it's good to see that there is still power to the people. Yeah, even if it is power to three people. Yep. (laughs) No, but like the funny thing is even with the overwhelmingly negative reviews on Steam, it was still the second best uh, selling game and still is during the Steam sale. So yeah. People, it, this is like that, you know, that picture which people circulate, boycott Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2 until we get uh, like dedicated, dedicated servers. servers. And the whole group is full of people playing Modern Warfare 2. So <laughs> yep. this is exactly that again. Yep. Yeah. yeah. All right, then moving on. Um, I think we should talk about, uh, I think probably we've run through our list of topics. Only thing remaining is the Sony PlayStation 5 rumor, right? Oh, yeah. So, so here it's a bunch of things. It's not just a rumor. So a couple of m- weeks prior to E3, uh, Damien Thong was responsible. He's an analyst at Macari who, uh, who basically correctly predicted or knew or s- uh, that, that Sony was going to do a PS4 Slim. And he's back, and he he made the headlines then for saying that Sony will uh, reveal or launch the PlayStation Five in in late 2018. Now, uh, in the right after that, uh, post E3, with every site uh, bringing uh, you know uh, publishing its uh, E3 interviews, uh, Golem.de, a German publication, uh, put up an interview with Sean Layden, who's the boss of uh, PlayStation US. And uh, he said in that interview that uh, it's probably going to be some time before we see uh, the PlayStation 5, which basically hints at the fact that, yeah, I mean, if if you're the sort who's still on the sidelines thinking of not of waiting instead of buying a PS4 or PS4 Pro, just go ahead and buy it anyway. Uh, And also uh, to add to that, I mean, prior to all of this, Sony did announce that it's sold over 60 million PS4s. It's not going to jettison that audience so soon with a new console. But what Leiden did say, which I thought was really cool, I mean, it's not exactly new news, but it's really cool that he uh, reiterated the company's stance on PS4 and PS4 Pro, wherein uh, 
no, uh, there won't be any game that's exclusive to the PS4 Pro. And even we reiterated that, honestly, you don't even kind of, I mean, the only difference you get with the PS4 Pro is a better, is a slightly better frame rate and resolution, but otherwise everything else will remain the same, which I think is really cool. Because uh, you don't want to be in a situation where uh, you want to buy the PS4 Pro and it's on stock. I mean, the PS4 is still a good solution either way. So that that's one thing that came up. Uh, to be honest, I uh, it, it I still think it's too early for Sony to even be talking about the PS5. We still have a lot of first-party games that are yet to come out. GT Sport, God of War, Detroit, hopefully Last of Us. Unless Spider-Man. I'm, Spider-Man, that too. And unless Last of Us becomes a cross-generation title, which I won't be surprised if it happens. Uh, I still think we got at least another year, year and a half left at the very least. So I wouldn't see, I wouldn't think that Sony is going to let go of that audience and if it does it probably will have a situation where it has in the past allowed two consoles to exist simultaneously we saw it when the ps2 came out where the playstation 1 dropped to i think a hundred dollars and we saw it when the ps3 came out that the ps2 again dropped to a hundred dollars and that helped sustain the company but the ps3 could play ps2 games the, the first one right? yeah the first the first uh the first slot could do that then they changed functionality in time for the european launch and allowed uh and had a 40 gig ps3 sku so Point is, uh, I don't think they're going to announce, I don't think, I think it's still too early. Uh, there's still a lot of life left in this generation, despite what certain <coughs> developers might say that the PS4 is holding back game dev. At the end of the day, if you look at it from a pure business standpoint, if that's where your audience is, you're going to make the necessary cuts. I think it was the, the developer on that EA indie title, A Way Out, who actually said that. That, you know, PS4 is holding back game dev. Well, dude, I'm sorry that happens. This is, it's the same thing repeating itself every generation. Back in the day, they said that the Xbox 360 and PS3 was was holding back game there. Before that, it was the PS2 and original they, Xbox. They're basically, so, they're basically salty that the audience that pays for their games needs some optimization on their console and they can't just release broken nonsense, exactly. call it early access, and then make $100 million and like just put under... What is it? Battlegrounds. Player under, player unknown battlegrounds. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> like I guarantee you by episode 50, that game will be forgotten. Yeah, so, <laughs> so that's the point, right? I mean... Uh, in a lot of ways, the current state of game development does favor developers to focus on Steam, to focus on platforms where you can iterate very quickly. But at the end of the day, there are some of us, or rather uh, 60 million of us, who prefer a polished product at launch. I mean, it's good. you're going to uh, hit 100 million now, I think by the end of next year, easy, across Xbox and PS4. Yeah. So yeah, like you want that 100 million install base, or do you want to put it on Steam at like cheap or whatever? No, you have to decide where you can release it in early access and get away with the stuff. Yep. So, yeah. All right. We'll see how that goes. Uh, so, time for Mike's Weird Games part of the podcast. Uh, so, Mike, what no, weird no, game? No, you start this time. Why? You yeah. haven't been playing any weird games? I've been playing normal games. Nothing's weird. All right. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's weird, he said. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the one playing CSGO and stuff. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. So, um Pokemon Go, it's going to be like uh, more than a year, I mean almost a year um, to that to the launch of that game. So I've been checking it out for all the changes um, that, that have happened in the game. Um, to be perfectly honest, now that I'm looking at this game and playing it a little bit uh, uh, every day, I feel that this is the game that they should have had at launch. I know it's easy to say that, but uh, let's be honest here, they launched a broken game last year. So essentially every PC game ever, that's in Steam Early Access. Yeah, more or less. <laughs> Except for Dead Cells. But yeah, that, that's another topic for another time. But yeah. yeah, but last year's game was not even Early Access, you know. It was actually a broken game because yeah. half the things would not work. Servers were always crowded. And they did some really weird things like they shut down the game for half of India 
I think about a month into its launch. Yes. Um, they like made it uh, totally inaccessible in in some parts of South India and and some other parts where it was never available in Northeast India. Yep. We had people writing to us from places like Manipur and Mizoram saying, "How do I play Pokemon Go here? I can't see a single gym. It's all like a blank canvas and all that." So in so many ways, the game. I mean, the developers were not ready for the success, and they launched some. Uh, broken thing in beta went viral too quickly and then eventually they iterated 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 and today they got here where they have like a proper game um including the new raid mode yeah. so the raid mode is actually quite interesting uh, personally i haven't yet uh, caught a raid because mostly like the problem with this this raid system is that uh, all of the raids happen during day, the day and um, unlike some people uh, who have the time to go and catch like a raid that happens at 3 pm Uh, we have jobs, and if we step out of the office at 3 p.m., we'll probably get fired. Um, Or get wet because it's been raining like crazy. Yeah, that it yeah. has. I don't know how these people are doing it though. There are lots of people who are playing the. Um, these <laughs> I'm still like, why India. don't you just play a real Pokemon game? But yeah, the yeah. real games cost money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, the raid mode is still like I'd say. I mean, based on whatever I've seen of it. um interesting and looks to be quite popular based on the like number of pokemon i, I see at the i mean number of people who i see standing near yeah. gyms still and uh, trying to get, catch a raid and defeat these extremely high cp pokemon like i believe i saw one pokemon with some 8000 or 9000 cp as uh, sitting at a gym which is like a raid uh, thing so you have to you need basically four or five pokemon to take down this one and then you get special items so looking forward to playing that uh, but other than that so many things that should have been there right at the beginning now they are there like um, gym structure so previously to see all the pokemon at a gym you had to like sit and scroll like swipe left swipe yeah, right to yeah. see all the pokemon now every pokemon at the gym is just shown like uh, standing next to each other so in just one tap you can see what's there at the gym nice. but uh, still not pleased with certain things like uh, you tap a gym and then it takes maybe 4 5 7 seconds to load the pokemon that are there in the gym oh. so these basic optimizations should have been there really i don't know what um, nantic is doing honestly um but yeah at least now they have a complete game unlike last year when when the whole world was addicted to it um except mike who never bothered because yeah. you know if it's free to play mike doesn't play yeah unless yeah. it's hearthstone <laughs> which i stopped playing <laughs> Yeah, all right then. So that's the only thing I've I've really had the time to play. Man, that's such a boring week. Yeah. At least when you used to play Steins Gate, like it was worth it. But yeah. So I've had like <laughs> maybe I scrolled through another I don't know seven or eight frames in Steins Gate. It's still just as interesting as it was. But then Pokemon Go has been taking up my time. So. Okay. Yeah. So Fine. I've been playing Final Fantasy XIV: A Realm Reborn, okay. which is the MMO from the Square from the Square Enix team that worked on FF11. and worked on the garbage version of final fantasy 14 1.0 a realm reborn is basically a fixed fine a fixed mmo from square enix which is pretty damn amazing and uh, i think aside from the the subscription which is paid it's 15 dollars for a month or uh, it's the best final fantasy game right now way better than final fantasy 15 and uh, it's uh, it's positioned itself in a way where it's good even if you want to just enjoy the story as a single player game uh there's enough single player content there's not that much stuff which forces you to like party up with people obviously dungeons and raids but uh it's very good teaches you the basics a lot of fun like best music in gaming right now i'd say and yeah enjoying it so been playing that and uh, we'll get to elder scrolls online in a bit but yeah i've been playing ff14 and also i played binding of isaac on everything it's available on just to see which version is the best and uh, it's best on switch so not android 
uh, there's no binding of Isaac on Android. That's what makes it the best version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'd say the best version is on Switch, followed by Vita if they actually uh, had brought in the updates. But uh, the Vita 3DS and uh, uh, iPhone version isn't that great. It's really good on iPad, but Switch is the best. And uh, if you want a portable one, PC depends on whether it runs fine because uh, the expansions have some performance issues for some people. And I wouldn't recommend playing this on uh, basically PS4 or Xbox One. In fact, I don't even think Xbox One is getting the expansions. But yeah, Switch has the most complete version along with PC right now. So I'd say get it on Switch. A lot yeah. of fun. Still playing it. All nice. right. So uh, Rishi, I hear you've been playing your favorite game of all time, which is Final Fantasy 15 Chapter 13. Uh, no, so yeah, I've been playing a bunch of things. <laughs> uh, FF15 surprisingly being one of them in preparation for the Prompto expansion pack. Which base sorry prompto chapter which basically brings third person shooting a snow level and a bunch of narrative, so yeah I've been playing that. There have been some quality of life updates. They finally added off off road driving and all, but honestly it still feels like when they're not nearly anywhere close to what they should have been at launch. But whatever, still Final Fantasy 15. Mixed feelings on that one. Uh, that aside, I've been revisiting Legend of Zelda in preparation for the first part of the expansion pass and. Uh, yeah, seems okay. Still, still, still bugged out, bugged that there's no blacksmith in Hyrule, but whatever. So we've just been playing a bit of that. The art direction is still pretty good. The music is still solid. So yeah, that's fun. And uh, aside from those two, we've been playing uh, Valkyria Revolution, which is, uh, well, I don't know, man. It's just Sega's week to be hated on. That game is just bad. It's a sequel to one of my, or rather a spin-off to Valkyria Chronicles, which is one of the better games on uh, PC and PS4 and PS3. And uh, it honestly is nowhere close to the to, to Valkyria Chronicles. It it's as if Sega took everything you liked about Valkyria Chronicles and ran it through a cloning machine that and things just went wrong, hmm. so wrong. So, but the Valkyrie yeah. looks nice. Yeah, that that's like the only <laughs> saving grace, man. It's just bad, and they should feel bad. And it's tragic because Sega's had a pretty decent year with AAA, man. We had Yakuza 0, we had Persona 5, we're probably going to get Yakuza Kiwami and Yakuza 6. So, there's a lot to look forward to, but then this in particular is one very nasty pimple on what should be a flawless skin. But yeah, that you did not just say that. I but just did. Anyway, um, so yeah, one thing I forgot to mention was that I reviewed Motocross GP3. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> late last week. Did you enjoy the Vaseline filter on the visuals? Because I really <laughs> did not. I mean, like if it had some better production, really good game. But anyway. Yeah, so that's what. Uh, production quality is pretty average. Graphics pretty average. Uh, visuals and uh, like some of the weather effects are good. Uh, at the very least, I can say that. But other than that, yeah, pretty average looking game in every aspect. Uh, simulation racing game. Now, motocross is something that I don't think anybody really follows in India. It's like on one of those sports channels which like nobody watches at a time when nobody's awake. Uh, oh, so you mean when they're not showing cricket? Yeah. When but people follow motorsports. Have you seen the rickshaws on the road? <laughs> or oh, the two-wheelers. Same yeah, thing. Let's not forget. So yeah, it's uh, basically off-road uh, tracks, dirt tracks, where you sit and race your bike on. So the thing is, if you're expecting crazy stunts like you had in Motocross Madness back in the day, not happening. This is actually a proper simulation racing game where you get to like experience the real motocross experience, which I'm not sure how many people really want. Now, the problem is not that it's going after this hardcore motocross crowd. The problem is that it's kind of like unwelcoming to newbies. It's totally like has no tutorial. The tutorial is basically like a bunch of screenshots. So just read and remember, which is very, very unfriendly, I feel. And yeah, 
also um if if you really want to get interested in motocross this game will do absolutely nothing to make that happen um like in fact after playing this game some of you might just think that okay uh, it's too hard controls are too difficult like there are too many things like you move the right stick to adjust rider weight you tweak your suspension and all of that you might think that it's just you know things i don't want to do but so, did you enjoy it like banging into an obstacle and having to see the worst animation ever of the rider falling off yeah and then crash yeah <laughs> so sega sega forever of motorsport uh no it's not that bad um at least it's playable and it doesn't have ads So it, I think they really should have probably delayed it a bit and put some like they keep showing off that like the visuals or something else thanks to the power of Unreal Engine like this is the worst showcase of Unreal Engine I yeah, think yeah it it like really it does not good. do any favors to the engine so Oh. Yeah, mostly like the people who are making the game. I think they've got their priorities wrong. Your priority should be to introduce people to motocross and to make it welcoming for people who've never played motocross. And then it should also be great for hardcore gamers. So now you can't. This is the have... only licensed official game. So I think they're like banking off that. Yeah, that too. Plus, for most yeah. licensed games, the timelines for dev aren't exactly the greatest. Yeah, you're always stuck with uh, crunching timelines. So yeah, I mean, they'll probably take it take a while to get it uh, to get it right. More so with the fact that it's kind of a niche. I mean, the only mainstream, debatably mainstream, uh, two wheeler game was a tourist trophy on the PS2. So mm. yeah. MotoGP 2017 is also with the same studio, right? Milestone, yes, I yes, think. Yes. Yeah. So I, I mean, if you're really looking for like a racing experience uh, and don't want all the um, off-roading, jumping, and all that uh, in in your bike racing game, then I'd probably suggest that you look at MotoGP 2017 instead. Or buy Drive Club bikes, which is which cheaper is and good. like yeah. I guarantee it looks better than any of these games. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, yeah. All right then, that's all we have for this episode of Transition, and we will see you with another episode next week. As always, don't forget to rate us on iTunes. That is very very important. Where we are making some waves, I guess. Hit that like button and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and follow your boy Mike at Xbox P3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, you can also write to us at podcast at gadgets360.com. We make sure that we read and reply to every single email we get. for the podcast and you can follow us on facebook twitter youtube and instagram at gadgets360 the music for this episode comes by magnus solai paulson from his album pppppp which is a soundtrack of the game vvvvvv